Blog Talk Radio. Hello, we're crossing the Atlantic for a second consecutive episode here on the AJ Bruno Show. My guest today is Genevieve Gaunt, a very talented Dutch-British actress who first appeared in Harry Potter and The Prisoner of Azkaban and has been in a variety of roles since. Hello, Genevieve. It's a delight to have you on. Hello, AJ. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. So I know you come from an acting background, but what was it that made you interested in pursuing it yourself, and how did you go about that? It's an interesting question, and I think it relates to a lot of different professions. We, we question why do we end up in certain careers, you know? And yes, my mom was an actress and, and a theatre producer, and my dad's an actor. But, um, you know, weirdly, when I was 11 years old, the casting director for Harry Potter came around my school, and I just went for it and went and auditioned, and nothing was going to stop me. Um, so they came around and they asked the kids who were, were non-white and had sticky out ears. And um, I'm Caucasian, and my ears are pretty flat. So <laughs> I was like, hmm, that's not me. But, you know, age 11, 12, I just went straight up to them and said, you know, uh, I think I'd like to have a shot at this. And that's, and that's you know, how it started. And 2,000 kids later, I was chosen, and that's really how it started. So I think there was something in me that always wanted to, to be an actor. That's great. Well, we were going to get into Harry Potter next, actually. Um, so were you a fan of the series to begin with? And um, you know, how did you go about playing the particular role of Tangie Perkins? I mean, the, the books came out, you know, as I was growing up. So it was a huge part of our, you know, childhood. Um, and, um, I mean, it, the whole audition process was so exciting. Um, uh, when I met Alfonso Cuaron, who's an incredible director, you know, in my audition, I, I said that my character, Pansy, you know, because she's a Slytherin, um, she would have a vampire bat as her pet. And when I got the part and I ended up at the studios, I was sent along to this menagerie of animals that they had on 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 the, on, on set. And uh, I was given a fruit bat. Um, so, I mean, some of these magical moments were, you know, the magic was not just what was happening in the world of Harry Potter, but actually filming it too. <laughs> um, so in terms of approaching it, things like that, um, having, having a vampire bat and being in the Hogwarts kind of uniform and, and all those kinds of magical things surrounding it kind of help you prepare when you're in those wonderful sets. You are part of that world, and it's a world that we all love very much. So it kind of does a lot of the work for you. Sure, that makes sense. And those movies had really kind of a who's who of some of the actors of, of our time. Can you describe the experience of uh, being on set and, and working with uh, some of those people? Yeah, really cool. I mean, I, I had a very, very small part, but, you know, being... 11 years old and watching people at the top of their game really, really exciting. I mean, for example, I just had a part in um, this uh, film called The Mercy, which stars Colin Firth and Rachel Weisz, and David um, Dulles is in it. And, you know, he was um, Professor um, uh, Lupin in, in, in Harry Potter and, and The Prisoner of Azkaban. So, um, you know, 10, 10 years on, he went from being my professor to, you know, playing another character I was working opposite, which is really fun. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's, you know, you see people at the top of their game and you learn a lot from them. Really cool. Sure. No, we're definitely going to talk about the mercy in a little bit. Um, so 
do you see yourself as a, as a slither and just as a, a fun question or what house do you think you'd fit into? Um, how, how, which house would Genevieve? Yeah. Um, because on the, on the Royal season three, um, I actually had to ask, and if you watch the Royals, I had to ask King Robert, I gave him a, a Harry Potter quiz and Willow, my character says very firmly that she's a Ravenclaw, which I think, um, a lot of Harry Potter and Royals fans found quite funny because obviously I was a Slytherin and Harry Potter, I don't know. Can I be a little bit controversial and say that you've got a little bit of Gryffindor and a little bit of Slytherin and a little bit of Ravenclaw and a little bit of Hufflepuff all in us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> different moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the Sorting Hat would have trouble with that, but no, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> sure. Well, uh, before we go on to the next subject, um, so there were a few different actresses who played the, the same role as you. I thought it would be great if they kept you on for the subsequent movies, did they ever give you an explanation as why they made that change? Oh, yes. I mean, we were such babies um, when we joined the films. You know, I, I was 12 and Draco was, you know, four years older than me. So 12 to 16 is like a huge jump. And, you know, they're, they're meant to become more kind of, you know, girlfriendy, boyfriendy. And it was just it was just strange, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the part was very small and they weren't even sure it was going to exist, to be honest. Yeah. So we kind of naturally dropped out of it because the part didn't really feature. And then as we would have grown up, they then cast someone else, you know, to, who grew into the mm -hmm. part. Sure. So, yeah. So after Harry Potter, you seem to have a bit of a buffer between that and returning to acting. Did you do any theater in the interim, or if not, then what made you not want to continue on further right away? So I stayed uh, very much in school, and I wanted to go to university. Um, I went and I read English there, and it's, a, it's really great for drama. Um, a lot of really fantastic actors and directors um, Emma Thompson was at my college, uh, Sam Mendes was there, um, a lot of Ian McKellen, a lot of really interesting actors. Um, and um, so I spent my three years there, apart from doing my English literature degree, I did about 10 plays. And that it was actually there that, you know, age 20 or whatever, that I really, really realized that I had to, I really had to do acting professionally. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when you do TV and film when you're growing up, or I found at least, you go and you do a, a day here, you do a day there. Um, and then when you get your teeth into like a play, theatre, you know, I got to try all kinds of different um, plays, styles, eras, you know, musicals. Um, so, yeah, that was what cemented it really for me. Okay. That's great. So... Uh, you were in a movie called The Face of an Angel, which uh, had a not-so-subtle comparison to real-life events. Uh, how do you approach a role like that, and was filming in Italy as fantastic as it sounds? It was yeah. even more fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we filmed in Siena, um, which is really beautiful and, quite, and famous for um, this, this horse race, uh, bareback riding horse race called the Palio, which goes around the central piazza, which is very, very dramatic every summer. Um, and we filmed, we filmed there. So, yeah, there was a, the food is amazing. 
um, and Italy is beautiful, and Italians mm-hmm. are lovely and friendly. But yes, it's a, it was based on a book by this uh, American journalist, brilliant journalist called Barbie Latsonado, um, which looked at the Amanda Knox trial. So the film was loosely based on how a murder case that is as complicated as that is dealt with and the whole process of trial by media. So it used the Amanda Knox trial as a kind of as a blueprint, but it wasn't specifically about that case. Although people, of course, do comparisons, which is legitimate, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, sure. it, it, it's, it's not. I mean, it is about that case, but it's about so much more than mm-hmm. that. I haven't seen that movie yet. Do you have to put your your best American accent on for that, or, or no? Um, yes, yeah. I do actually. Um, and your American listeners, if they can see it, can judge a lot better than us Brits. Um, but I hope I hope I did it justice. Sure. No. I think it's funny. There's a lot of British actors that play American parts, and um, sometimes I guess the training is so good you can't even tell. So. Yes. Yeah. That's the best, and you can't even tell. Absolutely. No, sure. So in the uh, in the series CB Strike, uh, based on J.K. Rowling's detective novels, you were in several episodes of that. Uh, how did you end up in another de- uh, another verification, and what was that like being back in another dimension of the Rollingverse? Really, really cool. Um, I'm. I was a massive fan of the books, the Robert Galbraith um, Strike series, and um, I, I met um, the one of the producers, and I said um, we we were talking about it, and you know my enthusiasm for the books, and, and we just thought I, you know, I'd love to be involved in some way. So I, there weren't that many female roles, but I kind of just you know came in and. I had a part in two of the episodes just because I just love, love that world that she's created. She's very good at creating um, very rich, um, beautifully vivid worlds with brilliant characters, and I wanted to be involved in the next one, and I was. It's really, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, I think she'd read the books, but I mean, the third one, I, I said to J.K. Rowling, I was like, you know, you kept me up all night because I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, they are thrillers. Like, I was genuinely terrified. Yeah. It's called The Career of Evil, as a side of one, anyway. I, I mean, I, I recommend reading it, but also don't read it alone in the dark. <laughs> Lock all of your doors. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's funny. The Mercy, which you mentioned before, that was uh, was pretty recently released. Uh, I'm a big fan of adventure movies, and, and racing in a sailboat around the world certainly fits the definition. Um, what can you tell us about your role in that, and uh, what's your take on the crazy true story the movie is based on? Yeah, it's a really it's a really tragic uh, story. It's about Donald Crowhurst, who was an amateur sailor who tried to circumnavigate the globe in, I think it was 1969, and um, he tries and he fails, and the only way to to kind of escape his failure is a very, a very, he makes a very drastic decision that I won't spoil for you if you, you know, if you haven't seen the film. And I think what's so important about what James Marsh, who directed it, has uh, done is is take a story that's from, you know, like roughly 1970 and show it now and, and, and it shows how much our attitudes 
have changed because you think Donald Crow has what happened to him. He was shrouded in kind of ignominy and shame. And now I think we're a lot more compassionate in the way that we understand people's personal struggles. And yeah, I, that, I think I think the film does a really beautiful job of of showing the reasons why someone can get themselves into such a pickle mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, how people get there. Um, my part, um, I'm part of the kind of the home crew on English soil who are preparing him to, you know, go off and go on this voyage. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's a, it's a really sad uh, film. Rachel Weisz is in it. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Colin Firth is a beautiful job. No, they're both great. Great. So uh, you're current. So yeah. yeah, I mean they're they're fantastic. Anything Colin Firth is in, I have to watch. So pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're a, you're currently a regular cast member on the Royals. Uh, from what I've seen, I think if the real royal family behaved this badly, people would probably be taken to the streets demanding the fall of the monarchy. Um, so what's your view of that? I think we'd have a new and amazing <laughs> reality TV show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. Wouldn't you do it? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> we've got enough reality TV, but that would be that would be something different, yeah. <laughs> um, so what's your view of that whole universe, and uh, what's it been like having your first extended run on a TV series? What's my take on the universe of the royals the show or yeah. the British monarchy? Um, why not that? <laughs> well, the question was about the show, but if you want to give us your take on the real monarchy, go ahead. <laughs> no, I thought it was just um, thinking about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry and everything. Yeah. Um, the royals, um, it's been a really exciting journey for me because I started on season two just as kind of, you know, a small character and the show is quite unusual. I think it's very unusual, actually, uh, out of any other show I've heard of, in that they write so organically, and they write as they, as, as we film a season, the writers and writers are still producing the scripts as we film. So people kind of come into the show and they really contribute to their characters, and then that has a kind of an effect on their relationships with other characters. So the writers and the producers, they, they build up people in, they, 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 they sew them into the fabric of the story as, as we film. And that's what happened with my character. Mm-hmm. Um, my character, Willow, when I auditioned for her, was, was, was called Florence. And my real middle name is, is Wilhelmina, which, you know, they shortened to, to Willow. So, you know, we, we kind of contribute parts of ourselves, I guess, to these parts. And that's, that's really exciting. And the best thing from an acting perspective is that because we don't know, you know, two scripts ahead, what's going to happen with the story, it means that just like in life, you don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next either. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, we need broad brushstrokes, but, you know, it's been really cool. Yeah. It's been really cool. Yeah. Interesting. So I've always been a, a huge Elizabeth Curley fan, especially ever since Austin Powers. Uh, what's it been like working with her particularly? Really great. I, no. I adore her. She's so great. Because you never know what people are going to be like. You know, you know what people like. You, you, don't, you don't know what they're like behind the scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. She was so welcoming, really professional. She's got a really good sense of humor. Um, and she's no nonsense, and she's a really good person. So, no, I, I couldn't have had a better queen <laughs> to work with, to work for. Well, until you're a queen, right? 
So people may not be as familiar with the work you've done in theater. Would you tell us about some of the plays and roles you've been involved with? Yes, well, I'm, I'm actually um, in the last week of rehearsal uh, right now for a brilliant new play. I'm really excited about it. It's, it's called Monogamy. It is a new play. It's a, it's a dark comedy, um, which I love doing. When I was at university, I did a, a Martin McDonough play. You know, the guy who did Three Billboards. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did one of his called The Lonesome West. Uh, really, really funny play. And this is um, also a dark comedy, and we're doing it. We're doing a little UK tour, and we've got some London dates at the end of May and June and July. So, if any of you lovely Americans come over to London, come and come and check out our play. Um, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. It's about a very much actually about um, the world of television. It's about a television chef, uh, Britain's much loved, most loved television chef. And what happens when the cameras stop rolling, when the mask is kind of pulled back from her professional life and we see all the, you know, all the, all the skeletons in the closet and all the dysfunction and all the, all the family drama. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. And in terms of other plays that I've done, um, I did a play called French Without Tears uh, last year which is a, a Rattigan play, so it's a 1920s English comedy, um, which was lovely. And before then, uh, I mean, I fell in love with America when I was 20 because we took a touring production of Anthony and Cleopatra, the Shakespeare play, and we, we, we flew to Florida and we toured all the way up the East Coast of America and um, went through, um, oh, so many, so many beautiful, wonderful places, all the way through Virginia, um, up to Rhode Island, New York. We kind of did a huge kind of loop up the East Coast. Um, and, yeah, I kind of fell in love with America, so I really want to come back. There's so much to explore. No. Um, I think that's what's great about theater or any any job that you do that takes you to new places. Well, that's pretty fantastic. Um so do you think there's much of a significant difference, though, between working in film or theater in the U.K. compared to the U.S., or is it easy to kind of make that transition over? Well, I guess, um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, so The Royals is it's an American TV show, but we film it in, in the U.K., and I've done American parts, but they're English films. So I I don't know if I can actually... I don't know if, I, if I'm an authority on that, on that hmm. question, to be honest. Um, but having worked with people, Americans and Brits, I think I, I, love, I love the way the Americans work. So I've spent a lot of time working with them on the world and stuff. And I think Americans and Brits work really well together. I think we even have a shared sense of humor, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I think Americans, like, they really bring a... I, mean, I don't want to generalize, but so much energy and so much kind of life and yeah, real positivity where us Brits can get a little bit, a little bit kind of a bit ironic and a bit dry and a bit self-deprecating and right. some of that American, yeah, some of that energy is really, really, really healthy and really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so when you're looking at um, forms of 
entertainment TV shows, that sort of thing that you tend to enjoy? Do you gravitate more towards American or, or British shows? And what do you tend to like? I mean, I was in um, L.A. in February, and just actually being there on the ground, you're, we're reminded, like, how much you guys are so at the kind of epicenter of being things creative when it comes to entertainment. So some of my absolute favorite shows are American TV shows. I mean, from The Affair, like Orange is the New Black, and Billions, and Modern Family, and then, like, The Handmaid's and oh my god so many madmen girls I mean they're just <laughs> brilliant at the forefront of like everything that is excellent in terms of writing directing acting um, but then there are certain shows like The Crown and uh, Fleabag and, and some of like the golden oldies like you know The Office and The Thick of It and you know there's the best of the best there's the best of the British and there's the best of the American and I think it's really cool when we kind of feed off each other mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's nice to say, I guess, that now we can watch kinds of different shows because all the online streaming platforms in the world is getting a lot smaller, you know, in that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot to watch, so that's for sure. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> uh, but not um, something like Game of Thrones that wouldn't appeal to you since that's so big everywhere. You know really naughty this is really naughty but i've actually never seen it no oh it's quite an no, omission because because I, I i know but this is the <laughs> thing right this is the pressure because it's like so epic and everyone raves about it so much i keep telling myself no, no, no you're not allowed to like end your season four you have to start from the beginning but then like the pressure <laughs> keeps mounting because obviously they keep making more of it so one weekend i'm just gonna have to like have a like a wonderful game of thrones binge um you know no we have a year to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a movie you're in called Hippie Hippie Shake seems to be in a long-term state of limbo. What's uh, the holdup for that one? I think, that's, I think that's not coming out ever. No. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, I did that when I was 16, 17. Um, yeah. That so long? I, hmm. I think that's not coming out. No. Do they tell you why? Do they get who, who knows? <laughs> No, I yeah. think I think they I think there was some creative disagreement. I honestly couldn't tell you. I guess this was decades ago, really. No, so. no idea. It's strange. No idea. They spent all that money to make the movie just to not release it. So very odd. Gosh, yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, you never know with things like distribution and stuff. Maybe it was cheaper to can it. You just don't know. No. Um, uh-huh. But for the record, let's just say. Just to say, I was great. And then, you were... <laughs> you know, I'm joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even know if no. we made the final cut. Who no. knows, AJ? Who knows? No. Maybe it was a conspiracy to deny you an Oscar. You never know. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. No. I'm no. taking the piss now. No. <laughs> <laughs> that phrase we don't say here. <laughs>
Um, so I was approached with this beautiful script, and um, they asked me if I'd be interested in playing this part, and I and I would be. Um, so what the next step is usually they they go on, you know, they're in in pre-production or whatever, and they'll kind of work out the the, the finer points, and then you know, if when it, it, we go to shoot, hopefully I can I'll be on board. Usually how it works. Yeah. Um, but it's a cool script. So nothing 100% official then. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's people who update uh, sites like IMDb who tend to jump the gun then, I guess. Well, no, it's, I think it's in pre-production. Is but, it, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so that mm. means that they are working out all of those, all of those details. Sure. So uh, in terms of any upcoming projects you have, are there any ones you haven't mentioned you can tell us about? Is your show likely to come back for another season or what's the story with that? Um, so I think this is the kind of time where they decide on whether or not it gets to season five. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and wait and see. Um, um, I'm doing, um, I don't know how big Doctor Who is in the States, but um, I'm involved with the audio dramas that we do over here. Um so I'll be doing some more of those. They're they're made by a company um, called Big Finish, um, and yeah, it's really cool because mm-hmm. you get to do these stories, these scripts, these audio dramas, the original Doctor Who. So I've been working with Sylvester McCoy and Peter Davison, but maybe that's a little tiny British island thing, not a not a global <laughs> thing. Well, in terms of Doctor Who, that's definitely really big uh, in the U.S. There's so many people who watch that. I've been meaning to give it a try. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but um, everyone says how great it is. It is. It is great. And, um, yeah, as I say, I was, in, I was in L.A. in February, and I was on Venice Beach, and I was walking along, and I kind of, like, I kind of, I'm a bit short-sighted, you know, and I had mm. my sunglasses on, and it was, like, bright, and I kind of squinted. I was like, no, surely it can't be. And this eccentrically dressed Englishman with a cane in the middle of Venice Beach, like, starts walking towards me. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it's one of the old Doctor Who's. <laughs> like, literally, in the middle of Venice Beach. Like, and, and then, you know, given he has a, the Doctor has a TARDIS, like a time travel capsule machine thing, I was like, yeah, am I imagining this? Or is this just, you know. Small yeah. world. That, Very small uh, world. Did you recognize him or did he recognize you? We, we both did this, you know, you both, you know, when you bump into someone at the supermarket you haven't seen for a while, and right. you see them across the other side of the street, or if you're me, you start waving wildly at someone, and they look at you like you're mad, and then they realize that, and you both realize that you've never met before, they're just like the receptionist of some, you know, place, and yeah. Um, but no, actually, we, we were kind of squinting at each other, and then we realized, and we kind of went, oh my God, and we both kind of very English, and somebody said, oh my God, many, many times, <laughs> um, flapping, flapping hands and things, yeah. Wow. Uh, so was that just a vacation you took, or was it professional reasons to? It was for it was for the royals actually. Oh, well, um, oh press, I guess. You, yeah, so yeah, okay. we we do these really fun hangover uh, shows, uh, which are on Facebook. The Royal mm-hmm. Hangover. After each episode, we kind of discuss it and digest it and do a recap and talk about our favorite moments. And so I went over to LA in February to do that, which was really fun. It was actually my first time in LA, huh. um, and it was. Wonderful, yeah. Oh, that's pretty great. 
So a couple last questions here. Um, first, I'm curious, do you have any creative influence that really um, you look to in terms of actors or actresses or any anyone that you tend to draw inspiration from? Um, in terms of actresses, I love Andrea Risborough. She's someone who keeps kind of coming up. Um, in so many things, she's brilliant. Um, in Birdman and Battle of the Sexes, most recently, um, Emma Stone, wonderful. Jessica Chastain, Madeline Brewster, who's in you know, Orange is the New Black and The Handmaid's Tale. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is a real favorite of mine. Um, I think being in London, we have a lot of great theater as well. I think that, you know, going to the theater a lot and seeing seeing lots of different shows and seeing people, you know, really, really, really at the top of their game, really good at what they do, and that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Simon McBurney is a, is, a, is, a, is a great actor, and he has a theater company called Theater uh, Complicité, I just saw his production at the Barbican called The Encounter, which is um, really awesome. Um, people like that who kind of push the boat out um, creatively and imaginatively. Mm-hmm. You know who I think is great in particular? Have you ever met Stephen Delane? I'm a huge fan of him. Oh, I think he is just the, yeah. just the embodiment of soul. He is just amazing. He's a really amazing. He's, he's beautiful. I mean, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I still remember his performance from the hour hours and um and yeah, the tunnel, he's just wonderful. No, oh, great and everything he does. Yeah. Um okay, before we get to our, our final question, I'm curious from a logistical point of view, um, I know you have a an union there called Equity. So does that mean to work in the US you have to be join SAG or, or how does that how does that work? Um I think the whole visa legal thing is it's probably relatively complicated and a question for a lawyer, to be honest, hmm. but because I think it changes person to person. I mean, for example, you don't need you don't need to be a member of equity to work in the UK. It's a it's a union, but it's not compulsory. If that makes sense. Right. Um, with working in the US, I think it's just a case of getting a, a form of a visa, and I think people have to show you know why who you are and what you want to do over there and why you're the best person for the job and stuff. But to be honest, I'm not really 100% no. sure exactly. Yeah, just curious. So uh, our final question, uh, do you have any long-term goals in particular, um, whether that's creatively and, and, and acting in some way or something else that you uh, really want to achieve and pursue? Well, um, singing is something I love. Um, if I could combine comedy with singing in some way, um, I would love to do that. And writing as well. Um, and um, I really, the greatest gift is to be able to, to be blessed to continue doing the thing that I love, which is acting, and to have been lucky to have worked with such great people um, up until now. That is really, that is really great. Getting up in the morning and not feeling like you're going to work to work with great people doing what I love. I'm so grateful for that every day. Oh. So if that could continue, I'd be a very, very happy bunny. <laughs> That's great. And you can always write a musical so you can combine both of those. Yeah. Yeah, I could. 
Absolutely. At least my mum would come anyway. You know that. <laughs> At least your mum would come. No, yeah, um, mum's mum's that's my mum's Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that uh, that would be great. Actually, real quick, I think I saw something where you mentioned you wrote like a or starred in like a one-person show. Did that ever happen, or, or no? Working on that currently, actually. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, potentially in the pipeline then. Great. Definitely. Well, um, it was uh, fantastic talking to you, and uh, thanks again for, for coming on. I hope you have a lovely chat, AJ. Thank you for having me. All right. Of course. Great. Bye-bye for London. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye. It was Genevieve Gump. Um, nice talk we had there. First time we had a uh, foreign accent on the show, actually. So that, um, that's a first for the AJ Bruno show. Um, and I guess we'll be back next time with a new great guest. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, once again, uh, if you're not signed up for the email list, you want to do that. Tinyurl.com slash the AJ Bruno show. You won't be sent too many messages, just the key updates. And um, I'd like it if you sign up too. So both those reasons alone are definitely uh, a good thing, good reason to do it. So until next time, uh, this is AJ Bruno. I'm signing off. So long. And thanks for joining us.